Hebrews 4.16, if you've got a Bible there. Hebrews 4.16. I want to continue on a little bit from last week where we were talking about... You want to remember what we talked about last week, Del? That's right, get your ask into gear. Exactly right. Yes, exactly. My ask is bigger than your ask. Exactly right. And uh, we could go multiple places with that. Do you really think so? We'll talk later about that. So just now. I got on a treadmill for 30 minutes yesterday because I thought my ask was getting a bit big. But anyway, Hebrews 4.16. Today I want to have a look at, sort of continue along that vein of asking. I want to have a look this morning at, at why. Why can we ask God for the things that we have need of? Why can we come before the Lord? Why can we do it? I mean, you think about it. We're, we're ants on a tiny ant hill. And God is this huge person. Have you ever seen that movie Ant Boy? Anyone ever seen that kid's movie Ant Boy? It's about a boy. And what this boy does, and God's not like this, but this boy goes to the ant hills with his magnifying glass and he, 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 you know, when I was a little kid, I used to, I was, I was the ant boy, I hate to say it. When I was a kid, I saw a colony of ants, I would get a spray water bottle, fill it with hot water and I'd sit there spraying them. I know, it's terrible, but God has done a great work in my life. But Ant Boy does all these things to the ants and then something happens, I don't remember what it is, but he ends up being turned into the sight of an ant. So all of a sudden he's living amongst these ants. And while he's living amongst the ants, he begins to understand where they're coming from and gets involved in their world and, you know, and he, he, he relates to them in a very real way, I guess, like Jesus did for us, that, that, that God could have just stayed in heaven and looked down upon the earth and gone, you know what, here's the deal. I gave you a crack at it. I gave you a chance, all right? I came down, uh, I created you, I made you a little lower than myself, I gave you authority, I gave you, I gave you all these things and, and, that, and you blew it. And God would have been well within his rights to go, well, you blew it. I reckon he would have. But he didn't. It's a little bit like ant boy. God comes down to walk amongst us in the person of Jesus. It says that uh, you know he didn't, Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to. He relinquished all that. He came down, he walked the earth as a man. The Bible says he was tempted in every way as we were. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 16, if we back up, I think, to verse 15, it says this, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So there's nothing that I go through or you go through that Jesus was not tempted in. Think about that for a second. Have you been betrayed by people? Have your 12 best mates, your closest associates, go running off when the guards have you in a garden? Have you been lied to? Oh, I'll die with you, Jesus. Hang on, Peter. No, you won't. You'll scatter like a... You'll, you know. Have you been publicly mocked and shamed? Well, Jesus has been there. It doesn't matter what we go through. The devil took Jesus on top of a mountain and tempted him. I can give, he, he said, I can give you everything. Everything that the cross will give you, I can give it to you without you having to go through the cross. I'll give you the nations of the world, the devil said to him. And Jesus didn't say, no, you can't, because he knew, yeah, well, this, this is... The devil has control at the moment. Till I go through that cross, till I take them keys back, he can offer me that. And he said no. 
We, we have a God who came down associated with us and has been tempted in every way like we were, yet without sin. Praise God. Because in the Old Testament, Owen talked about it last week, I think it was in your communion talk. In the Old Testament, the, the way they dealt with sin was they knew they were going to sin, so they had this yearly ritual they would go through and they would get all these, these, these lambs and turtle doves and all kinds of things and there was all sorts of sacrifices and the blood would flow. But the sacrifice of the lamb, the lamb had to be perfect without blemish. And so Jesus is tempted and everything that doesn't sin is perfect without blemish. And he goes, we have a God who understands us as humans. That's, 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 that's a powerful thought. When you think that there's this massive disconnect between how God, the way that God sees the world and you, and we do at times. At times we feel like the pressure is so bad and so hard down here, what would you know of it? I mean, you're just God. You're just this mechanical thing. He's not just this mechanical wind-up thing in the sky. He came down and he walked as a man. He went through the temptations of life and he relates to us. He understands that we are human beings. He understands our weaknesses. He understands that we are dust. He understands. We have a God who relates to us on every level. And it goes on, it says, because of this, okay, because we have a high priest who sympathizes, who understands, but yet overcame, verse 16, let us therefore come what? Boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Not only are we told we can come to God, but we're told how to come to God. We're told we are meant to come before our Heavenly Father with boldness and confidence. The, the word, that word boldness in the Greek, here's what it literally means. It means freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech, open, frank, free and fearless confidence, cheerful courage, boldness and assurance. We're told that we can come before our God with our requests, with our petitions, that we can come before him with great boldness. Now, that doesn't make sense to me because God is so perfect up there and I am so imperfect down here. I go back into the Old Testament and if you approach the throne of a king without an invitation, you'd be killed. Old Testament times, if you came before a king and that king did not personally request your presence, you could be killed. We, 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 we have that, that beautiful picture of, of uh, Esther when she comes before the king and she says to, to her, I think it's her uncle, is it, is it Mordecai, her, her, her uncle? I'm going to go before the king and I'm going to ask him to have mercy on, on the nation of Israel because this other dude wants to take, wipe out the whole nation. I'm going to go before the king and I'm going to let him know what's going on because I haven't been called into the presence of the king. Pray for me because he could kill me by walking in there. Yet here we have in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews saying Hebrew, to, to this Hebrew congregation, these people who knew the Old Testament back to front, knew the law very well, and he's saying we can come boldly before the throne of our God. We're not even just talking someone who's a human authority, we're talking God himself. And he said we can come boldly. As a matter of fact, we're encouraged to come confidently. You know how most of us come to God? Most of us probably come to God like Oliver Twist. You ever seen that movie Oliver? Oliver, Oliver, never before has a boy wanted more. Remember that? I used to love that when I was a kid. I enjoyed sort of musicals when I was a kid. But the scene that always sticks out in my head, Oliver's sitting there at the table and they've just got their daily rations, you know, they've their little bit of food and a little piece of, of dripping and bread or whatever, and they draw straws to see who's going to be bold enough to go up to the, to the, the head dude 
and ask for more. Can we have some more food? And they draw straws and poor old Oliver Twist gets the short straw again. And Oliver walks up and you see the scene in the movie. I tried to find it on YouTube, but I couldn't really find it. And he walks up like this, like with fear and trepidation with a bowl. And he looks up. Please, sir, could I have some more? And the guy just looks at him, what? Please, sir, could I have some more? And the guard roars, more? More? How dare you come and ask me for more? That's plenty. You're, you're, you're three bits of crust in your dripping. What more could a person want? You're living the dream, Oliver. But you know what? I think some of us are like that when we come before God. We're like Oliver. We come almost like beggars. We come like paupers. We come like orphans. When the Bible says that we're sons and daughters of God. We don't want to approach God with boldness. I talked last week about getting your ask in the gear and coming before the Lord and asking for things again. Let dreams, let visions, let things rise up in your heart and start coming before God. Jesus said, ask. He said, what father among you? You're evil, but how many of you, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a stone? He's, he's, he's saying, you wouldn't do it. How much more does your heavenly father give good things to those who ask? In Matthew 7, I think it was. Jesus says your heavenly Father wants to give you good things, but you need to come before him and you need to ask. Come and ask. There's something, there's something humbling about asking, isn't there? There's something humbling. How many of you know people? You know people in your world and you know that you could help them. You know you could. You know that you have an answer for their problem or a solution to offer them. You know that you do. But you also know that it's up to them to ask. You're not going to force yourself into their world. You're not going to push your values or your resource or whatever upon them. There's something about asking. It's a, it's, a, it's a posture of humility. To admit that I have need and then to ask for help is a posture of humility. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives incredible grace to the humble. He gives incredible grace to the humble. And Jesus says, you know what? When you have a need, come and ask your Father in heaven. He's a good Father. He wants you to ask him. The writer of Hebrews says, don't crawl up to him begging. He says, we can come boldly with confidence before our heavenly father because he's a good father. He's a good father and he wants to give us things. He wants to give us answers. He wants to open doors for us. He wants to point us down the right path. He wants to give us wisdom with those problems. But there's something about asking. I went through, and, I, and, and you have a look at the number of things in the Bible that we can ask for. I thought I'd pull a few out today, but there's way too many. Do it yourself. Get a concordance or go onto Google and type in the word ask in the Bible. I can barely find a thing in there that somebody didn't ask God for, they didn't come through for. But you know what stops us asking? Ourselves. I think most of us, we look at ourselves. And we can think of a thousand reasons why God wouldn't want to answer. So I can look around the room here and we can think, yeah, God, you, Bevan, you are after that communion talk. You can ask God anything. I mean, you are a on fire man. Jesus loves you. I can see it. And you can ask God and I believe he'll answer your prayer. I believe he'll give you your request. And, and you know, Dale, you're a, you're a queen before the Lord. I've got no doubt that, that you could come to him and you could ask him and he's going to give to... But, but I don't know about me. Not quite sure that he would do the same thing to me. We're like the leper. I, uh, I think it's in Luke 8, there's a leper 
who comes to Jesus. And his question to Jesus is not, can you do this? His question is, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. Most of us in this room right now would say, I believe in the ability of God. Whatever the problem is you're facing, whatever the circumstance, the situation, most of us in this room would say, I don't question God's ability to do that. But many of us would question God's willingness to do it for me. We would question God's willingness to want to do it for us. When we're not sure and we're not certain, how, how can we come boldly before God? We don't. We don't come boldly before God because we've got all these voices in our head and all these reasons why we feel like God probably wouldn't want to do that for me. Yet the Bible tells us that we're to come boldly before his throne and to petition God for our needs, to petition God for those things that we have want for. We're encouraged not just to come before him, but to do it with great boldness, stand before God with great boldness. In, in Luke 15, we've got the story of the prodigal son. I don't know why this has it kept popping into my head this week. And you can, you can read that story and there is, you could preach for a year out of the different angles of that story, right? There's so much gold in that story. But I was thinking about it this week. And you've got this, these two sons and they sit down and dad, youngest one, give us my inheritance. And the father gives him his inheritance. The father has been absolutely shamed and disrespected within the culture of that that moment but rather than scold the boy rather than call in the rabbis to teach him something or his uncles to come and pull him into line and smack him about the ear the father just gives it to him and he runs off and the bible says that he squanders everything that he had but there came a moment it says all of a sudden he found himself in need he found himself in want and it was that sense of of want of lack in his life was the moment where the Bible says, then he began to go, if I go back home. But it says before that happened, there was this moment where it says he began to be in want, in need. That moment of need turned his face back towards his father. And he begins this journey back home towards his dad. And that want, that lack is met. He comes home. We all know the story, right? He, 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 it, it's not like the... It gets painted sometimes that the father sat on the balcony in a rocking chair 24-7 just looking down the road. It's a beautiful Hollywood image, but it's not what the Bible says. Okay, The father wasn't just sitting there. He had another son. He had a farm. He had hired servants. He was still working. He was doing his stuff. Okay, So I hate to squash that Hollywood image, but he wasn't just sitting there all day doing nothing. He got on with his life. The father did what had to be done. But the Bible does say that there was a moment where he saw his son coming down the road. And the story goes that the father ran down the road. Son had a well you know, take me back as a hired servant. I'm not even worthy to be your son, all this stuff. But the father didn't listen to him, just gave him a robe and basically restored him back to where he was before he left. In a moment, bang, just like that. Straight back to where he was. And then the father throws this party for him. His elder brother's out in the fields and he's working and his elder brother comes home. And he's walking down the hill with his tools on his shoulder, his music. And he calls on a servant, he goes, oh, what's going on? The servant goes, your brother has come home and your father is throwing a party for him. He's put on a barbecue, steaks are on the grill, it's all happening. He's dancing and there's... 
And the boy gets put out by this. He gets really put out. And he throws his tools on the ground, says to the servant, you take care of those. That's my Hollywood ad lib. You take care of those. And he marches off. Dad, come over here. And the father comes up. He goes, what are you doing? Don't you realise this son of yours disgraced you, humiliated you? took the inheritance that normally happens when you die so he's basically said father you're dead to me and gone off and lived a life completely contrary to everything that you've raised us to live he says I've been here the whole time I've dotted every I crossed every T I've worked my backside off for you dad I've done everything you've asked and I'm still here doing everything you've asked I've done everything right not once not once have you killed a fatted calf and thrown a party for me. And the father's response is, you've always been here. You, everything that's mine is yours. In other words, what the father's saying is, is, you could have asked at any point you wanted. Why didn't you ask? If you wanted to party with your friends, why didn't you ask? Why didn't you ask? What, what, what interests me, though, about the story is when I think about the eldest son. He was angry at the father because he was so focused on what the father did for this other son and what the father didn't do for him. Instead of being in awe at the intrinsic goodness of his dad. Why did you bless that person? Well, hang on. What an awesome God. You blessed that person. Why did they get this and I didn't get that? Well, hang on. What an awesome God that they got that. What an awesome God that you answered this prayer. You gave this person this ask. What an awesome God. You see, both the young son and the old the intrinsic goodness of their father, the young son was focused on how badly he failed. The elder son was so focused on great he was doing. And both of them were not at all focused on the intrinsic goodness of their dad. And I think as a church, we need to start to get focused on the intrinsic goodness of our father. You see, God doesn't pour his blessing upon you. God doesn't answer your ask just because you're really good. And he won't not answer your ask just because you think you're really bad. God answers my ask because of his intrinsic goodness. It's because of him, not me. Now, am I saying that I can run around there and live the most licentious lifestyle and be as evil as I want and expect God to answer my prayer? If he wants to, yeah. If he wants to. Again, it's that box. Some of you are sitting there going, no, no, but if you don't do everything right, God won't. No, well, hang on. I'll argue that with you and I'll take you to the Bible and I'll show you. There was once a man who owned a vineyard. And he called some people in at 9 o'clock in the morning and said, go to work and I'll pay you this. 
At 12 o'clock, he called in some other people. And then at 4 o'clock, he called in some other people. And then at 5 o'clock, he said, knock off time, everybody come here. And he said, you who started at 4, here's a denarius. And the guys who started at 9 are going, woo-hoo-hoo, what a day. One hour, one denarius. We've been here since 9. Woo! We're going to hit the mother load here, boys. And then when they get up there, what does he do? One denarius. What? Hang on a second. We've been working since, we've worked 10 hours, they've worked one hour, and you're giving them one and us one. Who do you think you are? Well, I'm actually the owner of this business, and you agreed to that, and whatever I want to pay the other workers, isn't that my business? I own the place. I own the place. Hey, eldest son, you could have had any of this if you had to ask, but if I want to bless this guy over here, hey, who's... That's my prerogative to do that. It's my prerogative to do that. Our God is an intrinsically good God. If he, if he had to lean, if God had a limp, one of his legs was bad and caused him to lean to a certain side. Some of us think that he would lean towards the judgment, hatred, anger, bad, don't care, won't answer your prayer side. We need to lean more towards the goodness, gracious, merciful, I want to say yes, I love you and I'll give you what you need side. That's the Father, that's the God that we worship, a God who understands our human weakness. Part of the reason why he came down to understand our human weakness and to walk amongst us is because now we have a God who when we go through things, we, we know there's no disconnect from where he's sitting and where we are. He gets it. He gets it. See, God didn't create the world with all the evil that's in it right now. It wasn't there. God didn't create rapists and murderers and terrorists. God didn't create that. We created that. And we messed up the world. But God gets it. He gets it because he walked amongst the world. He understands. And your insecurities, your imperfections, they don't disqualify you from coming boldly before God and petitioning him for the things of which you have need. Because it's not about you, your performance, how wonderful, great you are. It's about the intrinsic goodness of the God that we are approaching. That's why we get answers to prayer. That's why we can come before him. That's why it doesn't matter what you think of yourself per se. It doesn't matter so much what your self-image is. I pray it's a good one. I pray it gets better. I pray that you begin to line your self-image up with what this book says about you because one person's right and one person's wrong. Either God's wrong and you're right. Didn't think so. Or God's right and I'm wrong. Because God says some things in there about me that make me sound pretty good. So I'm thinking, well, God, you're seeing me. You, you see me a different way than I see myself. But at the end of the day, it's not about how I see myself. It's about the intrinsic goodness of my father. When you were a child, you came to your parents and you asked them for things. You did not once stop and think, hang on, do I deserve that? I wonder. Oh. As you get older, we get smarter. And then we start thinking, do I deserve that? Hang on. I'm going to ask on Friday for a sleepover. So Monday, I'm going to clean my room every day, do the dishes, wash and polish the car. I'm going to, going to eat everything in front of me and so on because I'm going to build up an economy that come Friday, I'll get a yes vote. That's what we do. That happens later as we get smarter, more intelligent. We build up economies to get a yes vote. It's not like that with God. We're not doing the right things to build up an economy to get a yes vote. God is intrinsically good. 
He's intrinsically good. We approach him on the basis of who he is, not who we are. Here's a couple of things that the psalmist wrote about the goodness of God. I just put down a few scriptures here. Psalm 34, verse 8. says, I taste and see that the Lord is a sourpuss. <laughs> Hang on, I haven't got my glasses on. Is that what it says? Hey, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 31:19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. How great is your goodness. Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. Uprightly is not perfection, people. We keep thinking of perfection when it comes to God. We keep thinking because I'm not perfect that I can't boldly come before him. I've got issue in my life. I've got this thing. We're all a work in progress. We're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. Stop thinking that the way I see myself impacts the way I should see him. If that was the case, you would never have been saved in the first place because I'll guarantee you were not clean when you came to him. He made you clean. Do we think that the cross is a one-time effect? He made me clean when I first gave my life to him, but after that, it's just not strong enough to clean me anymore. Why do you think the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Every time we do something wrong, Father, I'm asking you to forgive me. And the Father goes, yes, I will, because I'm a good God. I'm a good God. So yes, I'm going to forgive you for that. It's as if it didn't happen. I've thrown it from the east to the west. Why are you worried about it? Why are you afraid to come back to me? Because you think it's still sitting there. You're putting the roadblocks there. God's up there going, I'm not. I'm a good father. Come to me. Bring your request. Bring your petitions. Ask of me. Not only ask, but keep on asking. John 7, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on... Just keep coming back to me. 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 Don't presume and know and stop. How many of us know the story in the book of Daniel where Daniel prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for, what was it, 49 days or something like that? He prays and prays and prays and prays and prays. And then on the, the, the 49th day, an angel appears and says, you know what? Thank you for continuing to pray. From the first day you set your mind to pray and to seek God, from the first moment, the first prayer you said, something was put in motion. But I was in a battle. There was a spiritual battle going on, this angel says. I was fighting in the spirit. There was this battle going on. But you kept on praying, you kept on praying, you kept on praying, and bang, we came through the other end. And guess what? The answer is yes. Imagine if he stopped at day 46. Imagine if he stopped at day 40. We do it all the time, don't we? You, you can sit here today, and here's the thing. I prayed, I've been praying this week that while I'm talking today, God will drop a penny in each of your spirits right now. One thing. One thing. You're going to walk away from here today, and there's going to be one thing. And you're, you're sitting here now, and you already know what it is. And you're going, that's my one thing. And God's going, then ask me. Ask me, and keep asking, and keep asking, and keep asking, and keep asking. When I was a little boy, my grandmother used to live at St. Mary's. Ah, St. Mary's. Evan's head. She did live at St. Mary's as well, but she was at Evans Head. My great-grandma, she died there. She died at 104. She was still walking around doing the gardening at 104. She passed But when I got married and we started having kids and I came down, I took Jackie in there to meet her and the kids. I didn't know this. 
because I got saved six months later in YWAM and so on. And, and she told me a story. She said, when you were a little boy, you and your cousin, she said, you used to come and visit me and I'd bake scones. And she said, you two would run around the kitchen because we were pretty hyperactive, me and my cousin. We'd be chasing each other around her kitchen, Granny's kitchen. Still probably are. <laughs> he said, she said, you'd be chasing around the kitchen. And she said, I used to pray for you and Jeff. She said, I prayed for you. I was that big when she started praying for me. You know what's funny? My other, the other one running around the circles, he got saved when he was about 17. Grabbed me at this concert thing someone took us to, grabbed me and said, if I'm going up, you're coming with me. He dragged me up front. He got saved. He went to school the next day. He started telling all our mates about Jesus. I'm going, oh, dude, come on. Please. Are you serious? Shut it up. But I still remember him, because I shared a room with him. I moved in with his family. I still remember him with his Bible to school. If we can do it. Her prayer was answered. He's not walking with the Lord at the moment. But God answered a prayer. And I'm standing here today too because I don't know how many prayers she prayed for me, but she started when you were that big. I didn't even know she was Christian till, till later in life because like, I'm not looking for that stuff and I didn't see her a lot. But she prayed and she prayed, she prayed, she prayed, she prayed. Paul in the New Testament said, I've got this thorn in the flesh. Nobody knows what it was. Theologians are divided on whatever the thorn of the flesh was. All, we, all they know is it wasn't good. Paul called it a thorn, a messenger of Satan. And he petitioned God. He said, I petitioned the Lord to take it away. Take it away, God. I can imagine day after day, Lord, take it away. 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 Take it away. He kept on going. And the Lord spoke to him. And the answer was no. I won't take it away. But my grace is sufficient for you. Because my strength is made powerful in your weakness. The answer's not always going to be yes. But there's always an answer. See, Matthew 7. Matthew 7. When Jesus says this, which one of you, if your son asks us for a fish, will give him a stone? He's not just saying, I won't, you know, I'll give you specifically what. He's not saying that. But if I said to Jordan, if Jordan said to me, Dad, can I have a fish? And one day... Three weeks later, I walked up to Jordan. I just threw a stone at him and kept on walking. Do you think he would connect the stone with my prayer? Do you think he'd make any connection? Would he, do you think he'd go, oh, that's the answer to the prayer? There'd be no connection. Hang on. Now, Jordan, I answered your prayer. What do you mean you answered my prayer? Remember when you asked for a fish? Like, like stone, remember? It's like, are you stupid, Dad? Where's the connection? What Jesus is saying is this. Ask, and the answer will come to you. You know, you'll get it. You'll understand the answer. God's not going to sit up there and you keep petitioning and then he goes, you know, I gave you your answer 10 years ago in a really abstract sort of a way. Now, God is a good father. He'll speak to you in a language you understand in a way you know. He'll communicate to you in a way that you know. He'll say yes, he'll answer, he'll give. Or maybe at the end of it, he'll say, you know what, my grace is sufficient. 
Maybe at the end of it he'll say, yeah, I know something bigger than you trust me. Not now. I'm not going to put... See, see, I'm not saying here today, let's put God in another box where he just says yes to everything you want. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying now is that we need to boldly come before our Father because of his goodness, not us. And we need to come before him and not allow our own self-image, our own doubts, our own insecurities, our own sin, keep us from him. He says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when you don't get that which you deserve. You know what grace is? It's when you do get that which you don't deserve. That one passage covers all bases. If I've messed up and I need mercy, man, I've got to come boldly before the throne of grace. I don't hide from it. If there are things in my world I need and so on, I can come to God because of his goodness. Um, I wanted to sing that song, Good, Good Father, but we won't. We'll finish up with this. You know, the Bible's actually full of stories and you can go and have a look at it. And hopefully you do. I hope you do now. I hope you go and you look at asking in the Bible because it's, it's a standard staple of our journey with God. We ask, we request. I wonder what God has stored up for us that we don't have yet because we haven't asked. Martin Luther said this once. He said this. He said, he being God, God knows that we're, we're timid and shy, that we feel unworthy and unfit to present our needs to God. We think that God is so great and we are so tiny that we do not dare pray. That is why Christ wants to lure us away from such timid thoughts, to remove our doubts and to have us go ahead confidently and boldly. What do you want to ask God? What is it on your heart to petition God? Is it wisdom? Is it something? Don't you make a judgment on what God will say. Don't you decide whether it's... Give it to your Father, let him make the call. And keep going, keep going, keep going. What is it that God's spoken to you? Years ago, God spoke to me when I was in Waiwen. I'll finish with this. And I wanted to learn to play guitar. Okay? And um, I haven't really progressed that much further on. I only know five chords, but I love a capo. It's great. And there was this guy on the Waiwen base. He had this six, seven, eight hundred dollar guitar. Beautiful thing. And he loaned it to me to have a, one day to have a bit of a muck around with him. And you know what? I felt like the Lord said to me, ask him to give it to you. What? It's a bit weird. Does God do that? Don't I? God, aren't, aren't I supposed to just sit back and you should be telling him? And, he sh- and God said to me, no, I want you to ask him. Ask him to pray about giving you that guitar. And I didn't. For the longest time. Six months later, I couldn't escape it anymore and I went up to him and I felt so bad. I've been saved for long and, you know, we don't even know each other that well and I went up to him. His name was David and I said, David, please don't call me a heretic or burn me at the stake here but I feel like, I think God wants me to ask you to pray about giving me your guitar. He went, literally went, you know what? God spoke to me six months ago to give you that guitar. I forgot all about it. Here it is, Alan. And he gave me this brand spanking new guitar. I wonder for each of us in this room, I wonder what God has stored up for you. All he's doing is he's waiting for you to ask and keep on asking. Father, I pray for each of us here this morning, God. Lord, let your word not fall. 
uh, dead ground. Let your word not drift off. God, let it not be taken away by the cares and worries of life. God, I know that, that Father, when we walk out of here, things are going to happen. Lord, people are going to look at themselves in the mirror and they're going to think, no, nah, that was probably great for this other person, that person. But God, your word is applicable to all of us that call upon the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray, God, for boldness to rise up inside each of us, to come boldly before your throne of grace and to present our needs to you, God, to present our requests to you, our petitions, God. Father, I pray in this room, revitalize dreams, God, that have died, God, in people's hearts, God. Father, remind people of things that maybe once upon a time they petitioned you for. Once upon a time, God, they came boldly before you. They were believing for something greater than they have right now, God. They were, were, were asking you to take them to a place further than what they've gone before, God. They were asking you for answers that were beyond their control. But maybe through the worries and the pressures of life, we've stopped. God, I pray that you would put a fire inside our bellies, God, that we would be people who would be bold. God, we'd actually believe that we can come before you because of how good you are. That we can boldly come before you and petition heaven for the things that we need. Father, make us that community of people, Lord. And God, I want to start this morning by petitioning you for the people in this community that don't know you. God, I pray right now, Father, that you would live in their hearts. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would open up their eyes. God, you'd let them see spiritual God, I pray that you would give every person in this room this week an opportunity at some point to share the good news of our good Father with somebody that doesn't yet know who you are. So, Father, I ask for that. That's my ask this morning, God, that we would be a church of people who are ready in season and out of season to tell the world why we believe what we believe about our good, good. So, Father, thank you, Lord. Bless us as we go into the following week. Watch over us. And, God, may our time with you be rich and meaningful, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Uh, we will see you next week or in connect groups and so on. Uh, a couple of weeks' time, we're going to start whacking some of those conference videos on Sunday nights as well. And uh, coming up very shortly as well, we're going to start our prayer meetings uh, here. One night a, a month, we're going to have a prayer meeting here. No, um, no, no preaching or anything. We're just going to have a prayer meeting for an hour. Come on in. We're just going to pray. We're going to have a few categories to pray through. And we're just going to allow people to pray. Uh, let's storm the gates of heaven. Let's ask a few of God. Amen. Amen.